I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, who didn't tell me that SIC, in parentheses, after a name, stands for spelled incorrectly and left me out to dry. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? When did you use that? Yesterday, on the podcast, when I was reading the quote from from the woman that, that accused Kristaps Porzingis, I read it Kristopsic. Instead of Chris Stop and then S I Z and you didn't say a damn thing. And I, Bro, got, I this didn't morning, even I, think about it. This morning I woke up to all these tweets and DMs about it. And everybody was super nice about it. They were like, hey, this that's not what this means. Oh my gosh. No, I I I, you just I was focusing there. on the like content of the letter of like not like how you were saying. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> So I learned that spells uh, that means spelled incorrectly, and it does not. I love mean how the listeners caught on to it, but I couldn't. Hey, I appreciate when the listeners tell me that that I did something wrong. Like I always learn something from it, and you know. Oh no, we welcome it. Yeah, we we pronunciations of names, uh, y'all love to tell us yes. that. And I, I'm I'm all down <laughs> for that. So tell us anytime. So shout out to everybody that reached out <laughs> and let me know. <laughs> oh man, today on the podcast we are going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of people talking about things. That's what we're going to do today. We have a bunch of different things. Ben Simmons talked about Luca for Rookie of the Year. We'll talk about that quote. We have the Steve Nash audio that we promised yesterday. I have, what is it? I have six minutes, six minutes of audio from Steve Nash. So almost the whole interview that he did. So if you didn't get to listen to the interview on Fox Sports Southwest on the game the other night against the 76ers, we have most of it. We have all the good stuff. So we'll play all that. And we have audio from Mark Cuban talking about Dirk. And then, um, and then we have Mark Stein. Mark Stein came out with a newsletter today with a one-on-one with Dirk. There's just so much stuff going on right now. So I can't promise we'll get to all of that, but we will, we will do our best to try to get to all of that today. If not, we'll push some of it to tomorrow, uh, possibly the Mark Stein on Dirk stuff. But, uh, but that's what we got today on the podcast. Yeah, Steve Nash. I mean, when he uh, – there was kind of some grumblings he was going to be in the building uh, the other night, and – I guess that was two nights ago or three nights. I don't know. Now my days are getting mixed up. And, uh, he was setting, he was setting kind of mid court front row and they put him on the jumbotron place went absolutely nuts over it. Standing mm-hmm. ovation instantly. And he, you know, he was just casually waving and then the crowd just was getting louder and, uh, he stood up and just started blowing kisses to the crowd and <laughs> everybody's just going nuts about it. Everybody loves Steve Nash. Like, how can you not love Steve Nash? And yeah, it was cool. And then they, uh, you know, they got him on the broadcast for the third quarter and that's where, uh, that's what kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's good stuff. He talks about the early days with Dirk. He talks about Dirk's transition into the NBA. He talks about the uh, Dirk Nash and Finley picture and the them talking the other day in uh, in Golden State, and uh, and then he kind of slips up. He slips up in one of these in one of these quotes and uh, and says something something that uh, is kind of interesting to me. So we'll get to that. But before we do that, Isaac Ben Simmons, the former Rookie of the Year, the he's still in the rookie of the year race or he's is he yeah i mean he, the, he's still in it i mean he's he's second probably right now him it's a battle between him and luca 
And with Luca missing that game the other night, we had this chance to have both of the top Rookie of the Year candidates for this year in the same game. It kind of sucked. Uh, ben Simmons said about Luka Doncic, he's playing better. His team is winning more games. Trey Young is killing it. But overall, I think Luka's got the team playing better, and he's just doing a little bit more. Uh, this quote could not be more wrong at this particular moment. <laughs> but for the overall season, he is correct. Yeah, that okay. That yeah, that's my only thing of people making. Um, well, it's not even yeah. But when you are making your Luca or defending the Luca landslide rookie of the year win, you don't bring up team wins. Yeah, they have three more. They, the Mavericks have three <laughs> yes. more wins than the Hawks do. Yeah, just don't just don't bring up team wins when you're uh, this low in the. Uh, and the rankings and ladder standings, yeah, don't bring them. You up. can, I think, you can bring up wins if you are going to going to paint the picture of the Mavericks team completely changed, and they got rid of four starters like that. That is, you know, and they brought in players that were not as good, you know. Back but Nick, no one's going to look at that. They just look at record wise, because <laughs> the team is better when Luca doesn't play. But the, the the Mavericks famously though traded away. Four of their five starters besides Luca. Yes, yes. So I think I think that can be that case can be made in that way that they were playing better. They were the seventh seed in the West at one point. You know, pretty deep into the season, like like twenty five games into the season, we were very excited about. They were playing better when there was a chance of them making a playoff run. After that, you can read between the lines. Yeah. Then then they slid down. Then they made the trades, and now here we are. This last, I mean. Three, two and a half months of the season don't mean anything really for the Mavericks. Yes, and I don't want to get into all of the the slippery slope of all of that, but I'll just say this sentence, and you can basically kind of know what I'm saying. If the Mavericks were fighting for a playoff spot right now, I think um, just a lot of different things would look different as far as numbers and stats wise. Different things is a great way to put that. Dirk even talks about that in that Mark Stein one-on-one that we uh, may or may not get to today. Uh, I thought he had an interesting comment about the way that the way that the Mavericks played when they were in it. And then now that they're not in it. And, you know, obviously he didn't mention tanking or anything like that. He didn't say that they're trying to lose games or anything like that, but the way that, that Dirk was now able to play more and at the beginning of the season and all this stuff. So we'll get to that. But, Ben Simmons backing Luca for Rookie of the Year. Definitely. He's he's like definitely behind him 100%. Donovan Mitchell backing Trey Young. Hopefully history will will prove both of those players right. And he 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 even compared the two in that in that pregame um talk with the media and saying he he went out of his way to brag on Trey and stuff too, but he said he's kind of similar to Donnie in uh in that sense and that yeah, he he should um now. Well, okay. Anyway, if you had to rank, let's say that all four of those players had the same rookie year that they did all at the same time, how would you rank them? Oh, gosh. I would have to really it's look into so the hard. stuff. That's yeah. so hard. I would probably. It just sucks. Here's, okay, here's my thing. And it's just what I was saying a while ago. It sucks because Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons were playing for playoff teams last year. Yeah. And they like they kept it going for the entire season. Luca's last month or so his percentages stuff have dropped down because the team's just done. Like it's just out of it and the Hawks were never the, in it. So. The goals of the team are different now than uh than it was uh you know 
a month or so ago. So compared to the front beginning of the season, everything was on the board for every team in the league. That's when Trey Young, you know, and them had their like his bad month of the season when everything like meant something. Now, like Luca's, if you want to say air quote bad month in which he had, you know, triple doubles and everything, uh, is when everything just really doesn't matter anymore, and the team has different goals now. So yeah, it's just a. But anyway, I think I, for that reason, I would probably put Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Luca, and then Trey. Yeah, I, well, I would just have to look at the other ones. Number, I can't remember just percentages, exactly what they average and stuff. Um, just those yeah, guys Donovan are making a ben, huge so. impact on a, on playoff teams. That's wild. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Luca just didn't have the opportunity to be in that position for the whole season. He was at the beginning of the season, the first, you know, quarter of the season, but the rest of the time he was I there. think the franchise and everybody thought it was. That was the the, the fully intent that yeah. that was going to be um what we were going to be looking like or playing for at this point in the season right now. But uh just pieces didn't work and pieces didn't fit uh, around them too and they didn't fit hard. And they had to make that decision at the deadline of saying, you know what, they don't fit. So, uh, see ya. I just did. I just did a video on the Clippers on Free Dawkins, and I broke down the Clippers. I did this whole huge video breaking down them, why they've been so good since getting rid of Tobias and getting rid of Blake Griffin, and it brought up a stat that the Clippers starting five at the beginning of the season, which was Shea Gilgis Alexander, Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Gallo, and Marcin Gortat. That lineup had played, you know, X number of minutes, and of the the lineups that had, of the five man units that had played X number of minutes, the only there's only two negative there's only two lineups with with negative net ratings that had played. I I think it was 400 minutes or something like that together. It was a lot of minutes. There's only a, there's probably 20 lineups that had played this number of minutes. <laughs> there's only two lineups that had a negative net rating. It was that Clippers who were at like negative eight. And the Mavericks squad, the Mavericks starting Ooh. five at the beginning of the season that was like a negative six or something like that. Uh, so it just it keeps getting brought up how bad that starting five was together. Yes. Very bad. Pieces looked good on paper, didn't fit. Didn't fit. All right. Real quick, can I share my real quick hot take and then we move on? Don't even discuss it. I just share it and move on. This sounds like a great tease. Let's take a quick break and when we come back. Isaac has a scorching, just just red Texas sun. Texas sun in the summer. Hot take. Coming up next. All right, Isaac. Blow me away with this hot spice it's you just, have. It's an open-ended question. Who will have the better career when they're both done? Dennis Smith Jr. or Trey Burke? All right, move on. Move on. Next subject. Are we talking are we counting college too? No. Next subject. We're not. We're not going to discuss it. That is one of the more disrespectful questions you've ever asked in this podcast. How is that disrespectful? I'm going to defend DSJ's honor. Cherry Burke's not bad. He's not good either. Not yet. Okay. Keep on. I'm defending Dennis Smith Jr.'s honor and say definitively Dennis Smith Jr. will have a better career. I obviously lean towards Dennis in that, but the fact that I think it's a discussion or at least a thought. Anyway, keep were going. you the kind of guy that after you broke up with the girl, you like trashed her to, to all your? I'm not trashing. I'm not. No, I'm not trashing it. No, <laughs> I. Th- <laughs> if you like, I answer yeah, that question you know, and say was, Dennis, but I think it's a legit. Now, now I got her down to a six. <laughs> <laughs> That's like so opposite the way we talk. <laughs> all right, move on. 
can't move on after that. All right, let's uh, let's hear from Steve Nash. This is Steve Nash on uh, just coming back to Dallas, being there. He was in the arena. Uh, it was just a big deal. He doesn't live in the Dallas area. He came and wanted to be um, you know, there in the building, and so he was there, and this is Steve Nash. You know, it's so, it's so, life is so funny. I had such a formative and impressionable six years here. It meant so much to me as a basketball player and a person. And driving in from the airport today, it just seems so long ago. You know, the changes to the city, all that's happened in my life since. Um, but I got to say, it felt great to be back at DFW and, and, you know, back in this arena with so many memories that... You know, you, you just get in over, you get into everyday life. You have four and a fifth kid on the way, and, and you you know what I mean. Like yeah. life goes on, and then you get back in the building. And you're like, yeah. wow, this this was my spot, and I loved it, and, and so many great feelings. I'm glad that that's the way he feels about it. You know, because I don't know, it could be different. You look back on another team that you know. I'm glad he feels that way about Dallas, and that he comes back and feels like really good memories, and that that was a place in his Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. And we talked about, um, we did a series since we are obviously a daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. We've had a lot of series over the past couple of years uh, in which we do some over the summer and uh, we're still brainstorming stuff for this summer. And uh, in one of the series we did were, was called a, a what if series. What if blank didn't happen? And uh, we might try to revisit it again this summer because uh, got some. Just new, we over, have some new ones this summer. Yeah, yeah. Since, since since we did that whole series, we have some new ones, and we really researched and looked into a lot of different things throughout Mavericks history of what if blank didn't happen or ha- happened a different way. And obviously, the Steve Nash one's the biggest one of what if Nash never left. And it's always been something. You know, Mark Cuban has talked about it in the past. Of it's been it was his biggest mistake and. Just getting Nash to Dallas and how Donnie's role in that and being such a believer in that Nelly Ball and just every everything with that and Nash leaving and then going on to be back to back MVPs after he left Dallas it was just kind of a stinger thing and it's always been in my opinion the greatest what if of, of Mavericks history of what if the two best friends and Nash and Dirk stayed together would there be a title and. It's it is really cool for us still to be able to honor him like that and him to welcome that and come into the arena and sit there and and be there for his uh, you know one of his best friends there and you know when Nash went to the Hall of Fame uh, Dirk and them uh, went up for for all of that am I is that right or am I thinking of something else right well he said that he he talks about later that Nelly introduced him into the Hall of Fame I can't remember if I can't remember Steve Nash's Hall of Fame introduction but. Yeah, 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 and um, no, I feel like I'm, no, mine's going blank now. But uh, are you doing? Yeah, are it, you doing what our uh, our president did today and and claim that your father was born in a place that he was not born in? That's what our president did today. I have I have no comment on it. He president. said that he said that his dad was born in a, a a wonderful place in Germany. His dad was not born in Germany. Was he? Oh, I'm like what? <laughs> no, he's um, born in New York. Oh man. Anyway, continue. What if he had a podcast from the old? Oh office? my gosh. He does. He does every day. He just, he gets up and he goes to the rallies. He did a two hour rally the other day. What if he took his Twitter time and created a podcast? Who would listen? I feel like a lot of people would listen. Oh man. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it was awesome seeing uh, seeing Nash and the fact that he has all these like good feelings when he comes back to Dallas. It's awesome. <laughs> I just imagine Trump like making doing a live read for like for, like Wise or something like that. Like one of. <laughs> 
Oh, Blue Chew. What if you did a Blue Chew ad? Anyway, we've created a monster now. Let's, uh, we'll move on from that. And moving on from that, Nash had some great things to say about Luka Doncic. Harp it's asked him. Huge. Harp Harp set up the question this way. I kind of want to play it, but Harp set up the question this way. It's like, you know, I, I respect your opinion. And, and because I respect your opinion, what do you think about Luka? Here, I'll just play it because it's Harp. And Yes. Yes. You know, I, I trust your judgment, first of all. And you train with guys like Mark just said for the Warriors. I'm curious to what your impression of the rookie of the year, Luka Doncic. What's your impression of him overall, Steve? I mean, he's a generational talent. He uh, he just does so many things. Uh, it's so early. Yeah. So much size. And I think, you know, I think physically he's going to get better. Uh-huh. You know, I think he's still in a sense a baby. But when he, when he gets mad, you can see him go and get things, right? Yeah. Go and get a rebound. Go and get a finish. Do things that physically you might think, Oh, he's an okay athlete. No, 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 he's a really good athlete. One with his mobility and dexterity, but also with his size, strength, and and, and quickness. You know, it, it's underrated. So I think he's going to get better athletically, and and his skill and feel is off the charts. Uh, I mean, historically off the charts for his age. That is such a good point. That is such a good point that when he gets mad, he goes and gets things. I I love that point. Um, I wanted to point that out first. My my other point about that is that. It makes it sound like Harp doesn't trust anybody's opinion, but it's Steve Nash, and so he's going to trust his opinion. That's such a players-only mentality. Well, Nick, since we're on this podcast, and since I respect you and I respect your opinion, what do you think about... um, (laughs) You know what I go back to? And you know what? I actually gave... um, I actually was hesitant on this this comp when Cuban first said it, and... uh, I don't think Donnie said. I'm pretty sure Cuban said it first. Back when they took Luca, they compared it to being a six eight Steve Nash, and I remember I remember reading that. I'm like, man, I just don't know. Like Steve Nash is so good, like one of the best point guards of all time, and uh, his Steve Nash's shooting percentages were just off the like charts uh, for how good he could shoot the basketball, let alone the assists and two-time MVP. That's a lot to ask. And I was super skeptical about when Cuban said that the first time. And and I have to go back on that. I, yeah, yeah, I was wrong in that and of saying I just didn't – I knew Luca was going to be really good, but I, that like throwing that out there was just huge. <laughs> like that, that's, that's a big-time uh, thing, especially, you know, with Nash playing in Dallas and stuff and – and man, he—it's cool hearing them talking because you do see this like crazy vision. Now, obviously, Luca can't shoot like Nash. Uh, Nash did right now, but this is first year in the league. So, hope if Luca can have the shooting percentages that Steve Nash did, well, just shut the league down. We talk about Steve Nash's shooting percentages a lot, and he was like a 50, 40, 90 guy at one point. But Steve Nash just didn't shoot that much. He wasn't like a volume scorer, like a volume shooter though. Like Luca's throwing up, like Luca's <laughs> shooting a ton. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And it's kind of like the when you look at a player's, you know, per 36 numbers, like, oh, man, Dwight Powell's per 36 numbers are wild. Yeah, but if Dwight Powell played all 36 minutes that he could have, then, you know, he wouldn't be as good because he wouldn't get that concentrated ability. I don't know. It's, that's a whole conversation. But I just love yeah. the, you know, gets angry and gets things because a lot of players that you can play with a certain passion, certain emotion, and you go out there and make mistakes. 
And Luca doesn't necessarily do that. He goes out there and he he knows what he wants. And if he's angry enough to go get it, then you know he gets a clutch bucket. And I think that's why he's so good good in the clutch. Yeah, and it's cool because I I don't really know as far as like looking at when Luca's mad and what he does on the court when he's mad. Because a lot of times you see people when they react on the court out of anger. Uh, or frustration yeah it's like refs or it's a stupid foul like you can see something out of you're like oh man that was a bad play that was out of frustration it's like almost his plays or his frustration plays are like really good plays and you just you can't help to ask yourself of like man what's gonna happen when he actually gets in like top-notch shape what's that gonna look like when he takes an even bigger step forward and it's gonna be wild yes Yes, in shape, Doncic, ready, ready to go. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, let's hear Dirk. Oh, let's see Nash talk about the early days with Dirk. All right, Isaac, here is Nash talking about the early days with Dirk and his transition to the United States. Well, those were big, big days for us because, you know, we we had a lot to prove. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Hart remembers. We were yes, playing sir. in the Landry Center. Yes. Two young players. Man. Trying to trying to learn from guys like Harp and and trying to prove ourselves every day and pick up games and going back to the gym at night and there was a lot of moments when people didn't believe in us and and we were the only we had to push each other to believe in each other and and you know I think it was formative for us to have that bond and that ability to push and to share in that that kind of climb together because there was a moment there where obviously many moments where we could have not believed or give taking our foot off the gas slightly. You know, you know, you get a lot, a lot of guys with NBA talent. They get to that moment and they don't quite double down and right. believe and, and do the extra work. And you know, we had each other. I think both of our personalities. We would have been doing it on our own anyways. But it's only more powerful when you have somebody uh, to do it with. And so we had a friendship, uh, support system, and a competitor that we could we could go to the gym, play one on one, play horse for hours, try to compete with each other, push each other. You know, tell each other the truth. Yeah. Build each other back up. And so, you know, those were incredibly important years of my life, my career. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have shared them with a, with a better teammate and friend than Dirk. You got to love it. You got to love it. And it's it's honestly, this is going to be overused, but you really hope that's what Luca and Porzingis get to be. You know, when when they're working out together, or they're, you know, they have these goals and they have this, you know, kind of one-up mentality where they're trying to one-up the other person and trying to get better and all this stuff. And that's that's what you hope they, they end up being. Yeah. Stories from the Landry Center days. So the Landry Center is uh, down there by Baylor Hospital. I, I used to have – I had a gym membership there for like three years back when I lived downtown. And every time I'd walk in there, I would see this sign and be like, home of the Dallas Mavericks. And it's like this fancy, like chrome little metal sign. And every time I'm like, why, why the crap do they have this sign yeah. here? <laughs> uh, because there, there's no, like, I, I know where all their like practice stuff is uh, for, for the team. And I'm like, well, this is kind of weird. And once I looked into it more back in the day, that's where they used to go all the time and at basketball court there. And that's where Nash and Dirk and stuff would go there and there's just a lot of stories of them back then uh, of the late hours that they would put in together and that's kind of the place where they built their friendship off the practice court as far as like team activities and stuff and how much they would challenge each other like you talked about and any of those stories I'm here any day of the week I love hearing about all that stuff it's great 
All right, here's Nash on Dirk's transition to the United States and how he sort of helped him and, and sort of brought him in because coming over wasn't, you know, super easy for Dirk. Experience. Yeah, they were different days. I mean, you look at Luca come here with so much swag and confidence, yeah. you know, but he's been a pro for so long, and the internet and social media has made the world so small. When Dirk came over here, it was like moving to another planet. Great yeah. point. And so he, he had, had no idea what to expect. He had no idea what it was like to play pickup with men at the Landry Center. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and guys are shoving him on the floor, and he's, like, looking around like this is real. <laughs> you know? Well, that those those days are gone in the, on the planet. You know, right. the secrets are out. And so, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to, you know, to help a younger player go through some of the things that I went through and to try to adapt. And, and uh, you could see the ability. You could see what a great person he was. And those are two great building blocks, talent and, and you know, humility, work ethic, and, and goodness. And I, so for me, it was a pleasure to have him as a friend, and it was also a pleasure to help you know, maybe guide him a little bit and allow his, his kind of to break his fall, so to speak, to this sure. new culture. I like the point about how he compared it to Luca, saying just the difference in how small our world has become. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I tweeted I tweeted out from the Lockdown Mavs account about the uh, the downloads per country, and this is something I like to do because you know people from other countries that listen to this show come out of the woodwork, and we start to see people and uh, you know from all these different countries, and and you just realize like we have listeners. Like we have a, we our top one of our top ten countries is, is Singapore. And I I had no idea <laughs> that people in Singapore even liked the NBA or uh, and just anybody can have access to it and it's so awesome. It's super awesome to to uh, to see that and how small our world has become and how Luca was just ready to come over right away. Whereas you know twenty one years ago when Dirk came over, he was you know he had no idea um, about you know the way that you know it, it was over here. It's wild. Just twenty years. How how big of a difference the world is, not just basketball, it's, but yeah, and it, and it's completely different backgrounds in which they came from. You know, Dirk coming from his German league, and with with Luca coming from Real Madrid, you know, playing for Madrid, you know, he got to no, <laughs> I heard my baby scream on that one. Um, but just like looking at their language difference, you know, Luca came in and Luca already knows English. You know, Dirk, it, you know, he, he knew somebody like it, it was a different type, of, you know, with Luca. Uh, we read a story about Luca, what was it, six months before the draft? I think it was Mina Kimes uh, of ESPN talking about the cars he had over there and like how much he liked American rap and Jennifer uh, Aniston play- and friends. Jennifer <laughs> Aniston and friends and how much, like, look at those cultural differences of him living overseas, but yet he's immersed into the American culture they already knew. So when he moved here, yeah, there was some adjustment and stuff, but completely different world than for Dirk. And so. Yeah, it. They're both international players, both coming from overseas, but completely different adjustments. And I think you even you've seen a a tad bit of that in reference to Mark Stein Dirk thing, which I don't guess we'll probably get to today. But uh, in which he talked about how like this, a lot of people wondered if Luca would come in and and Dirk would take him underneath his wing and all this stuff, and and Luca. He, he didn't come in as this like kind of raw, unpolished, not only player, but person. Uh, he didn't come to the Mavericks like that. He was, he was miles ahead of where Dirk was when he came over. Yeah, it's, which is wild. Uh, yeah, we're probably not going to get to that Mark Stein thing. Um, Russell Westbrook just, had, just finished a 20-20-20 game. Wow. 20 points, 20 boards, 21 assists, and a win against the Lakers. 
Any overtime? Nope. Regular. It's incredible. Regular time. Twenty twenty twenty. It's the first. I um, somebody tweeted out. Oh, Wob tweeted out. First time since Wilt did it in sixty eight. Well, Wilt's like I did it forty eight times. <laughs> That's Wilt. Oh man! All right, here's uh here's the here's the one. Here's here's Nash on on Dirk Finley and himself. The conversation that they had in Golden State, and then uh, listen to what he says at the very end of this. Yeah, you know, just talking a lot of uh, junk and uh, <laughs> telling stories. There wasn't a lot of brain in it, you know. <laughs> right. um, but it's I mean, it's so great to. To see those guys, I don't get to see them that often. You know, I text with both of them and yeah. stay in contact and love them both. And we'll be friends for life. Uh, but, you know, you, you go on, you have a family, you have kids, as you yeah. know. And Your life's going different. It, it, it's not the same. And I wonder if people from the outside maybe think, is it the same? But, you know, you move on to have a family and yeah. they become number one. But to right. see each other is, is incredible. And, you know, Dirk came to my house early in the season when he wasn't playing. Uh, in LA, and, and said you got to come out for one game, and so uh, this is a pleasure for me to come see him play one last time because I can't. I got to work the the day of his last game, so uh, for me to come and see him and, and to feel this all again, this is a thrill for me. I'm, I'm having a blast. Beautiful. Wait, wait, what did you say, Nash? Wait, wait, what did you say? You got to work the day of his last game. Okay. Not only did Nash say that, but did he double down on Twitter today? Which is, what is today? Uh, you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Yeah. So on Tuesday, well, depending he on tweets what, which out. part of the world you're in. <laughs> yes, on Tuesday, Steve Nash, the next day, tweets out, quotes, tweets, quote tweets, an NBA tweet and says, what a night to be back in the Big D and to see Switch 41 hoop one last time. <laughs> Thanks, Mavs. So um, Steve is not being uh, discreet about... <laughs> Come watching on, Dirk. Steve. We had, we all I, agreed here on this. Come on, we were all I, in on it. Dang, a last time. Uh, but yeah, how did the broadcast? I, I I didn't get to see this and this whole interview in person. Did the broadcast crew even address him saying that? Nope. No, nope, didn't even okay. didn't even like notice it. It's just so I, thrown in there. That, like the one last time, they're just you know they're just fawning yeah. all over him too. It's kind of it's exactly what we yeah. would do. <laughs> And, and and Nash knows the the celebration that is planned for that Suns game at home, and that it is going to be a night to remember for in Dallas Mavericks history and NBA history, and um yeah they got a bunch of stuff planned and to throw this big you know, party for Dirk. Yes, and we will hear Cuban talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, this is Nash on Dirk's impact on the game. Well, I mean, I, I, credit or whatever you want to call yeah. it, he's a, he's an all-time great. Yes, uh, changed the game. Changed the game. I mean, to start stretching the floor, being a mobile big that can put the ball down and find always find airspace, you know. You know, you and I, we, we like to make big shots and play yeah. in the fourth quarter, but there's nothing, you know, you, when you're our size, you, it's, being a closer is kind of like sporadic. When you're seven feet, you can, you, you know, it, there's not many of them, but he can be a closer on such a bigger level that we could just because he could always find airspace. And so his his impact and the way he rose, not only to be an all-star, but to be like a, a closer of the, of the caliber he was, is just historic. And uh, he's, he's a champion and a legend. And, and being a stretch four and a guy that can play at his size on the perimeter, uh, you know, it, he did. He was a four. 
you know, a forefather, so to speak, and, and some of the shots too, you know. Shooting off the dribble, you know, you know, the one leg step back everyone talks about, but just his ability to up fake, put it on the floor and shoot, uh -huh. or, or take a guy down, bump him once or twice, fake and spin, like, not a lot of guys are doing it from the three-point line. Now everyone's trying to emulate him for good reason, because it's difficult to guard. Um, and, and, you know, look at it. I mean, look at Joel Embiid, who's not playing tonight. I mean, absolute beast. Yes. I mean, he would be a beast in any era. But, I, you know, is he a top three, four, five player today? The only reason he's not is because the game has is, is, is changed so much that I think you could make the case for him because of his defensive impact, but it's a guard's game today. You know, it's a guard's game. And Dirk played like a guard in, in many respects. Huge impact. We've talked about this so many times, just the impact that Dirk has had on the way players play. You know, I had that stat a couple of weeks ago about the number of seven footers that take at least one three. And, you know, it went up significantly when the players that watched Dirk growing up came of age. It's, just, it's wild that, you know, that correlation is just so distinct that the players on average that started shooting more threes when they were, you know, seven footers went up <laughs> like from, from like seven per game, five per game, two per game to like 19, <laughs> which is what we're at this season. It's just wild. Yeah, I mean, I spent a whole year, uh, two years ago, I spent a whole year working on a piece for when I still wrote for uh, the Smoking Cuban and, and Fan Sided on talking to all these stars across the league on Dirk's legacy and impact on the league. And uh, a lot of players, Dr. James Harden, Porzingis on the Knicks at the time, and Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, just a ton of different people on the impact of Dirk and one of one of them a lot of the bigger guys talking about that that impact of this seven footer shooting threes but I, I'll never forget when I sat down I sat down I literally sat beside Kevin Durant on the on one of the benches it was a shoot around before a game uh, in the morning time and uh, Katie was completely he was awesome to talk to about Dirk because he loves Dirk he, he he's been very open about how much he loves Dirk and uh, Katie went in on that conversation with me about growing up in DC and just playing on the in the streets and stuff and and how they and how they would watch him just dominate uh, dominate the league dominate in the playoffs and how he would just see this seven footer and be like I want to shoot threes like this guy like this guy's my height and, and you know is a big guy and he doesn't have you don't have to play in the post like you can actually shoot threes and be that tall and uh just yeah, just hearing all walks of life from someone like Kevin Durant in the inner city of Washington D.C. to international players uh, from overseas that everybody idolizes and loves Dirk Nowitzki, and that is you do not see that very often in any sport, uh, let alone basketball. Yes, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right, and uh, it is apparently coming to a close. And so Mark Cuban was talking about, you know, Dirk in his potentially his last year. Steve Nash may have confirmed that it is his last year, but uh, this is Cuban talking about just Dirk in the, the potential final days of his career as a Maverick. As a Maverick player. Let me clarify that. I know it's kind of heartbreaking yeah. in a lot of respects. Um, you know, it's you don't think about it, and then you think about it, and then I saw him today in practice court, and it's just like, <laughs> and then, you know, it's just, yeah, it's going to be heartbreaking in so many ways. I mean, he's still going to be around, he's still going to be part of the team, he's still going to be here, and he's still going to be Dirk, and he's still going to talk stupid stuff all the time, uh, probably more so, 
but uh, just, I mean, he was here when I got here. And every game that I've ever seen since I bought the team, he's been part of the team. And so it's just going to be something completely different. And yeah, I'm not looking forward to it at all. Yeah, you want to, if you can get here in that last game, you want to be here for the last game in Dallas. It's going to be a special night whether he likes it or wants it or not. Sure, guys. Appreciate it, Whether he likes it or wants it or not. How do you think he's going to react? I mean, he know. I mean, he he, he knows what's coming. So uh, that you think he's gonna have random... merch and like a tour shirt, and you think he's gonna go like all in on it? Uh, that random uh, funny part at, at the beginning when she started laughing. That was Amir Johnson running by and saying, "Shout me out, Mark." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, super random. But uh, <laughs> but no, it, it it was kind of. It's so weird seeing different personalities talk about this because I was talking to somebody uh, that works for the Mavericks after the game about this, of how you go from talking to uh, Mark before the game in which Cuban's saying, man, this is heartbreaking. This is, you know, talking about these last days and stuff. And then like 30 minutes later, you get Rick Carlisle talking to his pregame presser and he's like, you know, Dirk hadn't announced anything yet. So um, he, he loves playing the game of basketball. Two completely different personalities, but you know that they know the same <laughs> same things. Um, so, but but yeah, Mark kind of just shedding more light on, hey, you know, just kind of visualizing what this is going to look like without without Dirk being a, being a player. And that as long as he's on the team, Dirk has always been suiting up. And that that's crazy if you, you think about that, of how – this one player has uh, been a staple of your franchise for as long as you've owned the team. And that's probably, is that the only person that's been around since then? Donnie. Like Rick wasn't. No. I mean, the business front office, the business office is completely like cleared out now. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Dirk and Donnie and that's it. Yeah. Because even like Al Whitley came over. Al Whitley was their old equipment guy. Now he's like a, I think vice vice president or something of the Texas Legends. He got super big promoted uh, again uh, last yeah, year. He was but, suited up on that on that night with Nash and taking pictures with people. Oh, Whitley's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, I did a jersey piece with him last year because he used to be in charge of all the jerseys and stuff. And he was the best friend of Steve Nash. Came over with yeah. Steve Nash uh, from Canada and stuff. And when they let Steve Nash go, he said Mark Cuban actually called him personally and said, "Hey, I know we're trading. I, well, I know Steve is leaving, but uh, we really want you to stay. And I know you're best friends." And so he stayed, and now he's been with the organization forever. But, um. But yeah, he alluded to that last night. He said, if you can get here for that last night, uh, you need to be there. And I tweeted that quote out. <laughs> Somebody quote tweeted, it's like, I'm so broke, but I know I, I need to be at this game. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of stuff planned. There's, um, yes, there's a lot of stuff planned for that night. And I think Dirk will embrace it like he did All-Star Weekend. If he can embrace All-Star Weekend like he did and agree to go to that and to get that love from people and the video tributes and like all that stuff with Wade, yeah, he will, he can accept that. And that's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. That's the Steve Nash interview. That's Mark Cuban talking about Dirk. We will get to the Mark Stein stuff. Uh, the Mark Stein one-on-one, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So I want to give it enough time that we can, you know, go through it all. So we'll do that on tomorrow's show. And uh, we'll be back the day after that and the day after that. And some other days after that too. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. It's the month of Dirk. Peace out. Boom. Boom.